Boston. Tom, how's everything going with you? Uh, it's going well, man, about as, uh, as well as you could expect in these, these weird times where we don't have any sports. But, you know, you just got to keep going. Yeah, yeah, I know, because the Celtics are kind of right getting into it. Red Sox are about to get going. A little bit of uncertainty with Brady's going on now. He's Brady's in Tampa. Jason Tatum doesn't have a hoop. You don't know when the Red Sox are playing. <laughs> and Boston Marathon's been postponed. It's just kind of like a wild world we're living in. It is. Uh, I think for us, we really, I mean, through the first month of it especially, um, from a media perspective, the Tom Brady storyline and, you know, I actually we, we stayed on the air probably until the middle of March, maybe a few days longer than other people might have uh, in our position because of the Tom Brady news and wondering what's he going to do? Is he going to come back? And we kind of knew he wasn't going to come back, but just where is he going to go? So that story we held on to. And then, I mean, it's it just the month that followed was all about, all right, what's it going to look like with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay? What's, what are the Patriots going to look like without Tom Brady? You know, is Jared Stidham the guy? What's going to happen in the draft? So it's been heavy football for us over the last month and a half or so. And it, but, but it's been good. And then was there any inclination that you thought they might draft a signal caller anywhere early on in the draft? Or did you kind of know Stidham was kind of the guy? It, to me, it felt like if they were going to go after anybody in the first couple of rounds, it would have been Jalen Hurts, maybe late second, if they somehow traded into that area. But, you know, Jalen Hurts going uh, to the Eagles as early as he did, I don't think they really wanted to, to jump up to that position to grab a quarterback. I think that they want to see what they have in Jared Stidham. You know, find out what you have in this year. And then if he's not the guy, you go back into it and say, all right, we gotta, we got to reset things. But, you know – He's been in the system. So with a shortened offseason, I think you want to go with a guy who you know, who you're familiar with, who's also familiar with your playbook, and you got that in Jared Stidham. And you also bring back Brian Hoyer, who's you know, almost like an, another coach in the room in that situation. So I think that's why they went the route that they went. If they did draft a quarterback, which I thought they might, I thought it would have been on day three in rounds four through seven, going after a guy like Jake Fromm or, or something like that. But I don't know. I, I like what they – you know, their decision to go with Stidham here to start the year, not to say that he's going to be the starting quarterback week one, but I'm intrigued. Yeah, and especially it's like almost like the, all the pieces are falling right into place. The one offseason Brady leaves, they have the option. They, they, they chose not to so far of going after Dalton, Jameis, Cam. It's like, yeah, we, yeah, we know we, have, we lost a pretty good player, but there's some pretty great options. But they're saying, like, Stidham seems to be the guy. And they're, I guess they're giving, like, giving the reins now, see how he does. They're not, obviously not locked into him for the foreseeable future, but – Give him, give him. He's obviously a more mobile, a more young, a younger guy. Dude, maybe see, maybe he can do with Edelman, maybe with the Keel Harry in year number two. And they've got some intriguing options. I know they also brought in a couple tight ends during the draft that kind of been mm. very intriguing. Yeah, to see them address the tight end position, um, it's nice to see them do that because they've needed to do it for a few years now. I'm sure that there's a guy in Tampa named Tom Brady who's kind of like. Now, now we're going to draft two tight ends in the third round. I mean, now the Patriots are going to do that. Uh, obviously a position of need as far as that goes. Bringing in a veteran quarterback, I didn't love the idea of any of those three guys that you mentioned because it's a shortened offseason, so it's going to be tougher for them to really get up to speed. Also, I'd like to think that Jared Stidham would compete for that position anyway. So it's not like you're going to guarantee Andy Dalton, hey, you're going to be the starting quarterback coming in here week one. I, I didn't really want to see – I know what Andy Dalton is. For instance, I know what Andy Dalton's ceiling is. Andy Dalton's ceiling is like somewhere right here. You're hoping that Jarrett Stidham's ceiling can be higher than that. You know what I mean? Andy Dalton, to me, feels like a guy who could get you to the playoffs. Is he going to win a playoff game? Mm. But you know what? Just getting the playoffs isn't – that's not New England. You know, it's, you've got to get to the playoffs and you've got to win games. 
So you still think, even though it's kind of like it's what it seems where most teams, obviously not for New England, would be a rebuilding year, you think they're still going full force? Uh, I mean, I don't think it's in Bill Belichick's nature to ever go into a season thinking, all right, we're just going to do the best we can here, but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to get a higher draft pick. I don't think that Belichick's capable of doing that. I still think they go out there. They're going to win. My prediction is they're going to win ugly. They're going to have to win a lot of games ugly. Their schedule is extremely difficult, and we'll see you know, if they play the full 16-game schedule. Um, if for whatever reason they were to cut a couple games out, and it happened to be the games against the NFC West. You know, teams like the, the opposing conference, the, that, that division, if they decided those are the four games you're going to cut out, I think the Patriots would benefit from that almost more than any other team because that, that division to me is extremely difficult given the fact that the Cardinals are going to be better this year on top of the 49ers and the Seahawks and what the Rams were a couple of years ago. Uh, I, I could see this team winning nine games somewhere around there, certainly eight to 10, I think 10 might be on the high side, but I can see them being a nine-win team. At the same time, you got plenty of people around here, people that, you know, uh, some of my co-hosts that believe that Patriots are going to go out there and win like five games, six games. It's just, to me, it's wild because we're in this time where all we're doing is trying to predict how good they're going to be. And because we're not talking about the Red Sox or the Bruins or the Celtics, who should both be in the playoffs right now, all we talk about is the Patriots. So we're almost like overcorrecting it or exaggerating or there's hyperbole involved. It's, I, I feel like they're going to be somewhere just above 500. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, especially like the division really, aside from Buffalo getting digged, the Dolphins obviously had a, a, a treasure trove of picks. It doesn't really get that, that much better that you feel like, okay, like there's a new dominant power. I think Buffalo on paper looks a little bit better. But aside from that, like, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't disagree with anything what you're saying with that. And the one guy I did like that you got the guy um, from Lenore Ryan. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. all right, if, if they're taking D two, right? D yeah. two guy, like early on, I'm like, they see something, or the dog, maybe the dog pressed okay when he right. was picking on the computer. But like, yeah, are you intrigued by him at all? Yes, yeah, Kyle Duggar, um, because he is. He tested supremely athletic, you know, at the combine and everything else. I mean, a lot of people are going to say, all right, well, he's going to look fast or he's going to play fast at D2 because there's such a difference in level. But the way he tested at the combine, I mean, he is, he's up there and top, top level athlete. So at some point they are going to have to address that position because Patrick Chung and Devin McCourty are in their early 30s and there's some miles on there, especially I think for Chung, the guy who kind of plays – you know, almost like a safety linebacker hybrid in some situations. You want a guy who can kind of fly around and, and make some hits. So I don't know if it's necessarily the direction that I wanted them to go with that pick, but it doesn't annoy me maybe as much as them taking a cornerback. I mean, they've, they've last four or five years, them going after secondary players in the second round has not worked out. This one, though, feels a little different because it's not like he came from a big-time school and – wasn't the most athletic guy, which is kind of what you had been doing with, you know, uh, Jordan Richards, those types. In this situation, this guy from a little-known school who's just off the charts athletically. Absolutely. And then going, and then going flipping gears back to the whole the Gronk, the Gronk reemergence and trade just out of the blue, was that kind of off the radar? Or did you think, like, did you think it was a possibility before it happened? That came out of nowhere. That came out of nowhere that day. I mean, I, I think someone floated the rumor that um, – maybe the Gronk might return to football and then that they were 
exploring a trade. So we heard about that. And I think we had maybe like an hour. I can't remember how, it, it was, it was a very little amount of time to speculate. What can you get in return for Rob Gronkowski? And so we're throwing out there, Oh, can you get a first round pick? Can you get a second and a third or, you know, which is, I think we overvalued um, what you could get for a guy who had just taken a year off, who certainly got a lot of wear and tear as well. And a guy who also is holding you hostage in some sort of way, because either you trade Gronk, or he comes back and hits you for over $10 million against the cap, which you don't have space for. Or he just says, well, this is the only way I'm coming back to play football. So either you get a fourth-round pick or you don't. Yeah, and that's, uh, it. That's, that's it. I was shocked. I, I at first thought, like, maybe they'll try to get to a Jay Howard. And then that didn't happen, and, they got the, and then they got the pick. And I, think, I think I was listening to Colin Cowardy the day of or the day after they said that. He said, and I think he put it better than anybody. He said, Patriots getting a draft pick for Rob Gronkowski – Re, a retired Rob Gronkowski is like trading a month old bagel for a sirloin. I'm like, that's a good perspective. <laughs> I'm like, it's a good perspective, but yeah, but it was just kind of out of the, I don't, I'm not expecting much in Tampa. I'm sure he's going to make a couple big plays. I'm, I, you know, he's not playing more than 10 games unless he's, his physique is perfect right now, which recent years kind of suggest otherwise, but it just came, came out of the blue and it, it kind of got, kind of got overlooked because of when it happened. Yeah. I think that uh, as far as expectations for where he's going to be uh, physically, I, think, I didn't think about that, him playing a, a lessened role as far as schedule-wise. I think that as far as the week goes, I could see him maybe just, you know, Wednesdays, he doesn't really go out there much. Thursdays does a little bit, and Fridays kind of gets into the game plan and whatnot. I think that that's one of the things he probably wanted to do with the Patriots, and Bill was like, we're not doing that. That's, that's not how we do things here where, you know, there's so much wear and tear in your body, just kind of ease through the week and then kind of give it everything you got on Sundays. I, I think that that's probably what he's going to be doing in Tampa Bay. If nothing else, I mean, there's just some, some familiarity for Tom Brady with having Rob Gronkowski there. And then if, if Gronk can do anything to kind of impart some wisdom on the other young tight ends that are there. I mean, that would be huge, too, for Brady. Going back to O.J. Howard, I, I agree with you. I thought, yeah. all right, well, if you're going to trade Gronk and you need a tight end, why not try to get O.J. Howard in this deal? Which tells me that the Patriots probably just don't like what they see in O.J. Howard. No, yeah, because he really hasn't I, – I, personally, I really want the skins to try to look into him because they really didn't address the tight end position at all. Jordan Reed got released. Vernon Davis retired. They didn't draft anybody. Went through seven. They brought on Randy Moss' kid, who's still question mark. He's got a thing with his foot. He's been to a couple different schools in a couple different years. You really don't know. It's kind of like a high risk, low reward situation. But it, I was very intrigued when they when they opted for the pick over taking Howard, which maybe maybe then they maybe thought maybe would you rather just pay somebody less and get similar production, or we just really just want to take that. But in terms of Brady, how, how do you expect the Bucks doing this year? I mean, I see them being one of the three, four best teams in the NFC. I, I know a lot of people are looking at their defense and saying, eh, I'm not so sure, or saying it's going to take a little while for the Bucks offense to come together. But Brady's got so many weapons that can create separation, which he has not had in New England. You know, Edelman's been a little bit banged up. When he is off the line of scrimmage, you know, he's as quick as anybody. But – he couldn't exactly, you know, create as much separation as he used to. Uh, you know, Gronk wasn't around last year. So now that he's got all these different weapons that just basically can beat the other guy on the other side of the ball, I think, I think he'll be fine. I think Tampa Bay is primed to have a, uh, 
I could see them making the NFC Championship game. I, I almost kind of expect them to make the NFC Championship game. I, I also sometimes think that people overrate the Saints. You know, I understand the Saints are in their division. Drew Brees is still really good. They've got a great offense, but I, I don't see why Tampa can't win that division. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. I mean, just had the schedule come out last night, so everybody's obviously putting together their win totals, which I think is fantastic. They're doing that now, and we have no idea half of them are gonna be out. I'm gonna make <laughs> what else some, are we gonna do? You know, I'm gonna make some futures bets just with some of the ones that I'm like, this has got to hit, even though they probably won't. But it's yeah, but it, I can't wait for. I think football is football. I hope hopefully will return when it's supposed to. And then flipping over to basketball, so it's. It's almost been, I think, a couple of days away from being at the two-month mark that this NBA season shut down. Um, Celtics were kind of hitting their groove. Tatum was playing fantastic. Um, when the season does resume, how do you see this team finishing out in the East? And we can say, too, you're a Celtic fan, right? Yeah, you admit yeah. that to everybody? All right. So this is <laughs> lucky. Yeah. So I know this is your bread and butter, so I want you to, to chime in on this just as much. Uh for the Celtics, I think our expectations, the way they were playing, you were saying, all right, there's a good chance that they could emerge out of the Eastern Conference the way they were playing, or they could at least make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. There were also times in the season where they just had some head-scratching losses, and you thought, if they get, if they get a matchup against the wrong team in the first round, like Philadelphia, a healthy Philadelphia team, who you know was kind of on the mend for – March and April, if they get matched up with a team like that, that could be trouble. You know, I, I still think that they're better than a team like Philadelphia, but uh, I think if they do get back to the season and you're looking at a playoff or tournament scenario, our expectations are probably going to have to change a little bit. Uh, I was really excited, especially as you brought up, Jason Tatum was just, he was, he was on another level. Like it just really sucks that we didn't get to see if he could sustain that and what it was going to become because who says he wasn't going to take another jump? So it'll be interesting to see what happens when they come back. But I, I just like, – I loved where they were at, and it's, it's kind of – it's a little bit frustrating. That being said, though, too, I think if they were to go to the NBA Finals this year, I didn't think they were going to beat either Los Angeles team. You know what I mean? So it's, I, it's, not, as, uh, it's not as painful that the season stopped as it would have been if they just looked like they were right there and, and the championship was for the taking. Yeah, and then with Tatum, Tatum, you can clearly see him ascending. So you can see Jalen Brown made a huge I, – I thought Jalen Brown should have been an all-star this year. I think that was crazy he didn't make it. But the, the one – I think the one kind of uh, underlying thing is I think Kemba needs to get going. Kemba's really kind of – they had the thing with the neck early on, and you're like, how long is he going to be out? And he's only out for like three days, and I'm like, what, what's going on with this? And then I was – initially I was very concerned about the center position, but Tice has been incredible. I'm yeah. almost glad they didn't give Horford that big contract seeing what he's doing in Philadelphia. The bench scoring, you'd like to see a little bit more. I thought Carson Edwards would do a little bit more than he has been, but Wanamaker's been fantastic. Smart, Smart's giving it everything. Smart's going to give you, give you everything you need. And then Hayward, he's, early on he was fantastic, then he got hurt, kind of getting back into the grind. But I think they're, they're in for the long haul. I, I, I do agree with you. I think the two L.A. teams kind of have their number. But would it see me – would it would shock me to see them – to see Chris Middleton not show up in an Eastern Conference final? No. I could see Boston maybe maybe in seven getting through that. If they can figure out a way to – they stopped Giannis in game one last year. If they can do that for four games, maybe they have a shot. Yeah. It would be interesting to see if they can get back to that situation where they can play them, uh, you know, in a tournament. I, I think if it's a condensed playoff tournament, though, in any sort of way, it kind of 
neutralizes things yeah. just a bit. So it takes away from the stronger teams it's had. So in this situation, I think they're one of the probably one of the four best teams. I, I honestly think they're one of the two, three best teams in the Eastern Conference. So uh, I think they're right there. But I mean, you, you bring up the roster as a whole. I, it's also interesting, and this applies to the Red Sox, but you know, Danny Ainge electing not to make a move at the trade deadline and get some help. At the time, I think a lot of people were wondering, well, seriously, you couldn't go out and get you know, a Jamal Crawford who's sitting there doing nothing to just Still. provide something? Still. Still, right, to provide something coming off the bench, but they didn't necessarily want to part ways with anyone else on their roster. And I think that was frustrating for some people, but now you look at it and you say, all right, well, <laughs> I guess it wouldn't have really mattered. So it's almost good that they didn't do anything. Yeah, the one guy I was really looking into was if Tristan Thompson got bought out. Yeah. And for some reason, like, Cleveland's like, no, no, we need him. I'm like, okay. Well, you just got Andre Drummond, so I'm not really sure what you're doing. You're not going to the playoffs. But, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. But I think for the way they've been going with Tice, he's been, he's been great in the middle, very, very a reasonable contract, and they can kind of just fit the pieces around. But I do think they could use some more scoring. I don't know if, if it, maybe a buyout were to come up or if there would be an injury to come up. But there's still some options available. Like you said, Jamal Crawford, he's still sitting there waiting. Well, everybody's sitting there waiting for the season to resume. He's waiting to sign with the team. So I think yeah. it's going to be a fun finish. And also the good thing is if the Lakers do win another title, since they had 16 and Boston currently has 17, maybe they'll throw an asterisk next to it. So it's just not as pretty compared to it. But What about 16 and a half? That, that, that works with me too. Right. That works with me too. Or it just says C here. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's wild. And then for baseball – I, I think baseball is as soon as to come back. I think it's the it's the easiest to get going because there's not the players are more spread out. I, I think I think if you if there's no force outs, you can get it done. So, yes, baseball should be able to come back yeah. right away. The problem is, and and this is where baseball can get in the way of itself. If the players and the owners can't agree yeah. on the money or just the the rules or whatever it is. For them to come back, you know, whether it be them kind of isolating or whatever, if they can't come to an agreement, then baseball is not going to be able to come back, and it's going to be it's going to be so damaging for the game because it's in a place right now where I know sometimes I think sometimes it gets overstated that baseball's dying or that young people aren't watching it. Sometimes it gets a little overstated, but if you have a situation where the players refuse to give back money or the owners are being too greedy, I think typically in that sport, by the way, it's the players being a little too greedy. If that happens, people are going to just be so pissed off. They're going to be like, whatever, baseball. Don't need you. See you later. NBA is now entering your territory. They're changing their schedule. We don't need baseball. And, and that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and I think baseball realizes that, okay, when everything is going, they're number three. Now they have the chance to be number one. You've seen how well the draft did in ratings. You've seen how well the last dance is doing in ratings. If, if people are watching Korean baseball, <laughs> one o'clock in the morning. Okay. You can actually know the players are, you don't have to stay up that late. If baseball can happen, baseball could probably have the best ratings they've had in a long time. Baseball's more like a regional sport. If you can get a national interest, I think it's win-win, but there's a lot of external factors. Their owners and the players agreeing to it. The whole thing, the situation with the families. I know a lot of the players' wives are expecting. Mike Trout's wife's expecting. So if they can figure out a way to finish the season before October, he's good because we normally don't see him then. So it's it's going to be it's going to be very very interesting. But I think hopefully baseball can get going soon because 
We need something because last yeah. dance is ending soon. We need something. <laughs> That's right. We're, we're, we're right now leaning on a documentary yeah, series. That, 20 that, years ago. Yeah. 20 years ago. I, I, just to clarify, too, as far as the players go, like I understand guys that are in yeah. certain situations where they don't want to quarantine and they've got, uh, you know, regular life. You know, they've got life that they've got to worry about or they have to consider that uh, I will never question a guy for, for saying, you know, I don't want to do this because I've got other life things going on. I've got somebody that's sick or I've got, um, you know, a child on the way. Yeah. It's to me, it's the guys that are like, I'm not giving up 50% of my $20 million this year. I'm not doing that. That's where I'm kind of, you know what? Do it for the good of the game, man. Because you're, you're, you're it might affect you on the back end if you don't. It, whereas your salaries are going to go down because baseball is going to start losing money because people are going to start buying into your product because you people would not take a bit of a pay cut, which most of America is doing. You people would not do that just to come back and play. So, yeah, it, and I know a lot of the, the ticket revenue might play into it because they know that it's a, most likely there's few, if not any fans initially at games. Cause I think that, especially with this, with these States, um, just the sanctions going on with limited amount of people. It's going to be essential personnel, and somebody up in Section 380 screaming it, screaming it, Mookie Betts. Now in LA, I don't really feel like it's essential personnel. Um, but just, I, it's going to be interesting. So I think hopefully baseball get going. I know they're talking boxing, the horse, the the horse thing. When the ESPN aired horse, I'm like, we need something back soon. Oh. I'm like, All right, Mike Conley, I, I, I like your gym. It's great flooring. I'd like to see five on five a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. But this, this has been awesome, man. How can people find you on social media if they're not already following you? Yeah. Uh, at Tom Giles, NBCS. Um, Cause I'm with NBC sports Boston. So you can find that on Twitter. Uh, same thing for, for Instagram as well. So I'm on both those platforms. Um, so trying to, trying to stay sane through these times. Uh, but, but yeah, we're hoping, we're hoping everything's back soon. I don't know. Again, the Patriots, the draft, it kind of pushed us through the, the, the schedule coming out. That pushed us through as well. But I think everyone's ready for some sort of competition. Me personally, it's like I was really dabbling in a horse racing a little too much. Or I was like, all right, we got to back up a little bit because horse, there's a reason. Yeah. Uh, you know, people don't make a living uh, gambling on horse racing, ping pong, all that stuff. So I, I need some like regular, here we go, major sports back in my life. Absolutely. I know they got NASCAR going back, but I'm like, Maybe, but could, yeah. yeah, maybe horse, honestly, horse racing. I think they should try to train the horses more to kind of do their own thing without the jockeys. Then if this ever happens again, we're good. Cause they can just go, just line up. Cause remember last year at the Preakness, the guy fell off the horse and he kind of stayed in line. He kind of went off track. The horse went off track a little bit, but if they can get, take, they can like, I don't know, hold a carrot up at the, at the finish line <laughs> and say, Hey, you get here. Like you're good to go. Like maybe they can. I don't know, but it's, it's fun. But this has been a lot of fun, man. I appreciate, again, you taking the time to, to, to chat for a few minutes, and, and hopefully you and your family will stay safe, and we can get, get going with this. Hopefully this can roll over much sooner rather than later. Absolutely, Zach. Thanks so much for having me on, man. Appreciate it.